Welcome to Your Security, a podcast on walking victimless in today's world. I'm Gabriel Grimes. In this podcast, I discuss how to stay alert and situationally aware, no matter where you are or where you go. It is episode 58, (laughs) April 29 and day 43 of the COVID response. Oh my goodness, 43 days ago, we decided as a country to address the COVID virus, the Wuhan flu. How is that treating us? Are we ready? Are we more prepared? I don't know. What do you think? I'd love to hear your your thoughts on the description below, comments below. I'd love to hear from you as always. So let's talk about crime, right? 43 days into this, you'd think that crime is somehow maybe evened out. Maybe something that we're seeing today is going to be different. Uh, the, the COVID response will have changed people's actions or criminals' behavioral toward, you know, flaunting the, ra- the laws and the rules. So I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about it? And you just go to Google, like I did, and put crime, then go to news selection, and it filters down the news for the day. And so let me just tell you what's going on today, April 29, on my random search on Google. It says here, newly engaged couple vanishes shortly after moving to get moving in together, leaving a cell phone behind. Okay, pretty normal, kind of those weird uh, stories that uh, of people disappearing. And, and, and what I find interesting about this in particular is that disappearances happen every day and yet we only hear one or two of these of these events i don't know do we think that only one or two events actually happen are the other events not not scary enough i don't know what what's the threshold to make a report on a vanished individual Okay, so it says here the pandemic isn't changing crime like you expect this is from The Week magazine. <coughs> then uh, number number two, this is the N, N Witness Times. Man arrested for leading police on a chase along US 30. Well, why is he out there on US 30 if he's supposed to be staying inside, quarantining himself? Don't know. I don't know. Check this out. Fox News. El Salvador authorizes lethal force against gangs amid the coronavirus crime spike and mixed rival gangs in jail. How you like them apples? Crime is peaking. No, it's not the United States, it is El Salvador, but it's not just in El Salvador that we're seeing things. Spokane, the Spokesman Review, it's a online uh, news uh, portal from Spokane, Washington, and it says Spokane County Sheriff creates task force to address rising property crimes attributes are an uptick to released repeat offenders why did they let those people out because of covid virus the thought was we were going to put criminals at risk by keeping them inside so we decided to leave the criminals let them go home so a virus that kills 0.2 percent of the population We're going to let the repeat offenders who are a sure thing repeating, they repeat their crime, we're going to let those guys go to terrorize citizens. But we're afraid of that 0.3% virus attack. Hmm. Interesting. So all we have here, um, 
Uh, see here, Crime Stoppers, uh, Acadia Crime Stoppers help needed identify carjacking suspects. So it looks like everything is just up and running. Another thing I found out really interesting. <clears throat> again, crime. We're talking about COVID virus. Think about suicides. And I mentioned this about, I don't know, 20, 25 episodes ago. Suicides are going to be the thing. We just haven't really seen the numbers yet reported. But by the end of the year, we will have them. And it's going to be as as long as no one calls them suicide by COVID virus. It's weird, right? But... It, it has been happening. Similar cases of, of that kind of a, of deaths and that death reporting has been happening. But suicides. So I was looking on the OC register. That's uh, Orange County for the people who are not familiar with the website. And it says here that the hotline for suicide, the suicide hotline has risen, has multiplied tenfold just because of the COVID virus. And, and this is this is what we're going to see across the board, lamentably. I mean, I'm not trying to encourage um, suicides, but, you know, when, when you've lost your job, when you have to pay rent, or maybe you haven't paid rent for two months because you haven't had a job, um, because you're using the money to live off of, actually buy food, <clears throat> and so your light bill is in arrears, your gas bill is in arrears, your uh, water bill is in arrears, your you're two months behind on rent. And yes, <clears throat> state from state to state, they have different uh, benefits or maybe uh, a support from the government, local and federal government, that may help them in one way or another, but it's not going to cover everything. So you're already struggling to make ends meet. You're li- living hand to mouth, and now you are two months behind. That is a lot of stress, people. And we already have an issue in the United States with with the mental health, and then that mental health added to a coronavirus uh, stress. I can only imagine that we're going to see more of these types of things. And then these are just the people who are actually calling the suicide hotline. It is not recording how many people have just taken matters into their hands and done something, uh, well, sad, really. This brings me back to crisis management. And as always, you know, this is who I am. I am a security professional. I love the stuff. Um, So crisis management is where, you know, it's the the process it's the program it's oh my goodness it's just so much but it is the process it's the crisis management it is the management or the process in which a company a group even down to a family even you crisis management individually how do you process a crisis when it hits you when that event hits you and turns your apple cart upside down what are you going to do that management is what it's called what's called crisis management now you can do crisis response by itself i mean everybody does it you know when you stub your toe on the ottoman at night and you break your pinky toe crisis response is jumping up and down grabbing at things (laughs) calling your wife uh, going to the hospital maybe maybe not maybe just taping your toes together but that is a crisis response. Now, crisis management is normally something that is much more long, long, uh, it's longer. It's a crisis event that has to be 
addressed for a longer period of time. Think about if one of the family members got a broken leg. They're outside, they, they, they get into the street, a car hits them, uh, there's a broken leg. How do you handle that? Now that's multiple days. Um, that can, it also has multiple stakeholders. The driver of the vehicle has the police, has medical, has doctor, has teacher of the child, has multiple stakeholders, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, uncles, aunts, all these different people want to know information of what's going on. Now that is a crisis management. Now you can have a plan on what to do. Granted, not a lot of people want to think about that kind of thing happening to them, but that is a crisis management event. How do I address that? Now that is what I'm talking about. Now, and this is what I do for, for a living. I go out, I talk to companies, I talk to groups, and I discuss crisis management. How can they be prepared for a crisis so that it doesn't catch them by surprise and, and then they fall on their face and they don't know what to do. This is super important. So this is, I go to the, the COVID-19 uh, or the coronavirus, uh, Wuhan flu, and I look at how the government, the U.S. government, is managing this crisis. And I think now a lot of their message has been lost to the noise. You know, there is a lot of other people talking. And when you're in a company, it's not so hard to keep track of who's supposed to know what and what kind of information is being sent out. You control information pretty well. But when we're talking about a, a, a country and a country that celebrates its freedom in that you can say anything you want to, uh, the freedom of speech allows for individuals to let their voice be heard. Uh, the newspapers can report anything that they want to, any way they want to. They're, you know, this is interesting. So a newspaper... Uh, a newspaper, uh, a news organization can have have five facts in their reporting cycle, three of which are positive, two are negative. But if they focus on the negative more than the three that are positive, the overall tone is that everything is negative. And so I'm not saying that our news organizations are telling truth or Lying. They're not telling the truth or they're lying, but they are definitely tilting things more on the negative side. And so what does that mean? It is it is bogging down the report and the information coming from the White House and from the crisis management team. And then we have multiple crisis management teams at the state level as well. And then the local level, the county level, the city level. So each one of these groups are lending their voice to how to address the situation, how individuals are supposed to respond. And that can be, that can be difficult. It's very important to have a solid voice. And in this kind of situation where the government is involved and when uh, local, federal, and state government are all saying something different and when the, not entirely different, slight difference, and when your news organizations are also saying something different, it becomes very difficult for the crisis management team to be heard. So in my training, I talk about how to be heard and recognized. So one of the things that's very important to realize is if your message is not getting out to your stakeholders properly, you need to come back and reassess. <clears throat> 
We need to learn how to be heard above the noise. And there's three things that I talk about, and we can go into some others as well. But the three things that I talk about is changing the frequency of the communication. You know, President Trump was giving a briefing every day, and I commend that. That is really hard to do. But he was giving a briefing every day. Now he's taken that off the table. So he's trying to change this, this narrative. He's trying to be heard above the noise. And number two is changing the voice. So it, the voice means there may be one person who is talking and leading the um, the communication piece of this a crisis and changing the voice is changing the person changing it completely or it could be changing the way in which that person is giving the the uh, information the updates and those are the two things that i mean when i'm talking about changing the voice and finally changing the format how are you giving this information now president trump was doing this personally as a stand-up uh, briefing to a group of, of uh, reporters, and that is completely fine, but you might want to make it, do it in another format. And I think that's what President Trump is doing now as well. So he took, took away the frequency, so it's no longer is it daily, and then he's also taken away the format. He has made it um, more online, and he is doing uh, direct presentations or releases to the, to the public that way in text form. And then he's also changing the voice. He took away certain people that were lending their voice to the communication, and they're putting other people in. This All this does is help him uh, present the information in a more a clear way so that the stakeholders, you and I, will be able to grasp that information information and follow through. It's time to talk about the numbers. And if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you realize that I'm using two uh, sources of information, John Hopkins University and New York City's mental, excuse me, <laughs> New York City's medical department to for the numbers that we're going to discuss. And we've identified New York City as the, the site that we are going to evaluate. They have the most numbers of, of uh, infected individuals. We have the most numbers of uh, death toll. So it helps us really measure what kind of information is coming out. And we've used two sources that are very reputable, the John Hopkins University numbers and, of course, the New York City numbers. Those are probably the best numbers you can find across the board. And we're looking at 
death cases, cases in which a person has died because of COVID-19. And the reason why we did this is because we started noticing that there was a big disparity on what is being reported and what is actually happening on the ground. Granted, I am not on the ground, so I can't tell you what is going on. I can't physically go in there and check how many people have passed away and how many have not. But we can look at these two sources and determine if these numbers are close to where they should be then perhaps they are telling the truth. And here we have it. So John Hopkins University is 17,682. And this is as of 12 midnight last night. And New York City, this is also 12 midnight last night. Their number is 17 to 15. So John Hopkins University is 17682, and New York City is 17215. So there's a difference between 468. In other words, John Hopkins University believes that there are 468 more people who have passed away than New York in New York City than New York City's medical department. Kind of strange, right? We keep seeing these numbers uh, very far apart, and we've come up with a couple of reasons that they could be. But the numbers 468 seems a little high for uh, slow reporting or uh, improper reporting or perhaps uh, a lost number. And the fact that this has gone on since day one is disconcerting. Again, this leads to questioning whether or not crisis management is done properly in the, at that city level uh, or the state level. Who is handling this kind of information? And what does this do as an overall crisis management response? Well, it creates doubt, creates uh, concern in the stakeholder's mind. So whatever information does come out, uh, it's always questioned. <laughs> what kind of information are you giving me? Is it true? Do I re- Should I really be concerned about what's going on when you can't even give us the right numbers? Granted, I think that at this point, you know, these numbers are so huge that uh, just the, the number, the number that they're telling us is so huge. It doesn't really matter. And a lot of fear is being created because of it. Well, I'm hoping that we can get out of this uh, COVID virus response as soon as possible. Hey, you know what? One of the things that I was looking at was the the fact of the coronavirus itself. So coronavirus is not what we are concerned about. It's, it's COVID-19. Coronavirus is, well, SARS is a coronavirus. MERS is a coronavirus, and there's three other coronaviruses that are common. They're common coronaviruses, and that is, for the nerds, 229E, NL63, OC43, and HKU1. These are all coronaviruses, and they are, um, I guess, the most common. And did you know that... Uh, Influenza is not a coronavirus. It's not. These are all different type of viruses. And a coronavirus refers to a virus that looks like it has a crown on it. That's why corona, Latin for crown, Spanish for crown as well. But those are the types of coronaviruses that are out here. The interesting thing and the sad, maybe even frightening thing is of all the coronaviruses, we're talking MERS, SARS, there's two types of SARS, um, there is no antiviral for any of these 
viruses. There has not been any antiviral medicine created for any one of these viruses. And yet we've lived with them for a long time. Now, coronavirus is a little, the COVID-19 is unique, sure, and we're learning more about it every day. So it's just something to think about. How are you going to handle this kind of a situation? How are you going to handle this information? Eh, it's important for us to have a plan and stick to it, right? And that's what I've been talking about since the very beginning. What are you going to do? How are you going to address this? Now, this is not just um, in your mind or in your company, but also in your, in your body, in your health. How are we going to move forward and get past this? Knowing that there is no antiviral for these types of viruses. How are we going to get through it? How are we going to get back to work? How are we going to uh, talk to our clients? How are we going to have our, our employees come into our, our, our business? How are we going to work? It's important. It's something we need to be thinking about. And this is, again, a key to why we need to always be uh, discussing our crisis management program and plan. Super important. Now it's time to talk about how we are staying mentally fit while we're here at the house. Well, I have been uh, getting better at my routine. I think my wife would not agree with me completely, but I have been trying to get a little bit better. Uh, again, writing down the list of things that I need to get done and trying to get those completed. Now, granted, it has been so long and we have not done, we, uh, me, I have not done some of the the more the larger things to be done at the house like some painting uh, changing out some light bulbs and some fans and stuff like that I, granted i have it on the tip of my tongue to do uh, uh, it's on my list i just i get caught up doing other things and maybe it's because it's a psychological thing maybe that's because i'm not really wanting to do it in any case i have them I'm, I'm doing them but i am getting better at the routine which is what we should be doing to keep ourselves mentally positive a positive mental attitude routines are key uh i was with my pastor the other day and we were recording for sunday service and that was one of the things that we mentioned on how to address crisis how to address this crisis in which that we're, we all find ourselves in, being at home for so long. How to stay positive, how to help our kids stay positive. And this is, of course, one of the things that I mentioned to him because it is the key to moving forward. If you are lazy and do nothing, at the end of the day, you're gonna feel bad that you haven't done anything. And this only compiles on itself, right? It compounds itself. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and by Thursday and Friday, you say to yourself, I've, it's been a whole week and I haven't done, right, fill in the blank, nothing. Well, it's very important for us to keep on a track, get a routine done. And if you don't even, and if it's hard for you to do the routine, then at least write down your activities for the day. So at the end of the day, you can look at that list and say, oh, I have done something. Well, that that is to hoping that you have done something, right? But if you've 
you know, learned a skill, if you've gotten on some, done some videos and you've uh, grown as a person, then write that down. If you have gone to the grocery store, even gone to the grocery store, I know that seems still silly, but write that down too. You've done something. And then take that and create a routine from that. What, when do you, when do you do what? You know, when do you go for the toilet paper run? When do you go get uh, beef or meat for the house? When do you do vegetables? You know, these are the kinds of things that will help you create some structure in your life because we don't have the structure of a regular job per se or work. So it's important for us to create that structure among us, you know, internally focused on the family. I hope that helps. I am, we are alive and well here in Houston. The sun is getting hotter and hotter I, and more and more humid. I'm telling you what, these are the days where I'm starting to think, I wish I was living somewhere further north. <laughs> now, Houston has the best winter, bar none, best winter ever. But it's the summertime that gets kind of hot and we are enjoying the springtime right now cool weather sometime most of the days uh, we have a beautiful jasmine uh, vine that's growing in the backyard and that has an aroma fragrance that is just amazing we love it it's great to just listen smell that jasmine those jasmine flowers and drink a cup of coffee early in the morning but come around noon and that thing gets really hot <laughs> outside gets really hot thank god for air conditioning right well I want you all to know that I am praying for you. I'm thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe and secure. And always remember, you are security.